Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies in theory. (laughs) Is that Um, a little spoiler for your opinions on today's movie? What's today's movie? Today's movie is Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pin my feelings and thoughts in just a, uh, for the time being. But Ratchet and Clank, I believe it's a PlayStation exclusive series. Is that correct? Yes, that's right, and the reason we're doing this episode is because of the forthcoming release of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, which was previewed in E3, I think, earlier this year as one of the major PlayStation 5 release titles, although it's technically going to be released in the launch window, which constitutes the first quarter of 2021 as well <laughs> i love those launch windows they talk about at the big shows especially when it comes to new consoles You're like oh, i can't wait i don't know maybe i'm just burned from the old n64 days when the, the launch window for the n64 lasted about four years <laughs> yeah, lasted the entire console's run <laughs> hmm. um but yes lots of excitement at the moment regarding the playstation 5 and the next generation consoles Help me out here. It's the Xbox Series X O X hugs and kisses. <laughs> uh, yes, it's the Xbox Series Kiss. I know I'm like co-hosting a video game podcast here, but I I finding the next generation so confusing. It sort of gives me an aneurysm. Well, I, uh... yeah, I I think um my approach to it at the moment is. With most console launches, it's it's very rare that I ever got a console on the day of launch or even within the first few months of launch because it's always a little bit not quite right and there's going to be updates and there's so much to, you know, just the cost uh, at the very start of all these things. And, you know, if you just let it sit a little bit, the games will be released, things will actually work properly and stuff might come down in price. So... At the moment, the only thing which is making me really consider a next-generation console is the forthcoming release of Resident Evil 8. So we'll just see what happens when that comes out and whether I'm turned at that point. Yeah, I think, although I'm a proud owner of a Nintendo Switch, I think if I had the money for a second console, I feel I'd be leaning more towards the PlayStation for that old Spider-Man game. I've not even played the Spider-Man Peter Parker, but there's the Mars Morales one and the... The graphical fidelity does seem better, though again, it's it's measured now in in, in sort of millimeters rather than centimeters or, or inches as before, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a technical I... guy. <laughs> <laughs> how many inches are these pixels? <laughs> yeah, how many polygons are there in this character? Because I remember when it was sort of could be measured in uh, double digits. There's a Twitter account I follow now called, um, I think, just Low Poly Animals. And it's just such a nostalgia fest to see what a bird from Mario 64 looked like. It's just basically a 
paper plane really <laughs> with a yeah an orange beak but that's the thing it's artistic interpretation it uh i think the issue i have with and not to get all kind of cranky con about the whole thing but um is uh the sort of fidelity is that you get too much on screen um one of the big things about this next generation apparently is ray tracing and it's like this new obsession is basically boils down to the most realistic lighting effects you can possibly have but that seems to manifest itself on just uh, puddles reflecting properly. But it seems to be sort of amplified so much that if you watch um, gameplay of new titles, it means that if they have like a rain effect and there's puddles everywhere, it's like you're walking on a mirror universe. Mm. Or like the cars reflecting, it's like everything is polished to the nth degree. It's like the Transformers movies where it's just like, you can see every single cog and gear turning, but it just means you can't work out what the hell's going on because it's all lost in the um, the throng of computer graphics. And then people leave their homes and they tear their own eyes out because the real world looks so boring and there's no <laughs> ray tracing at all and they just literally damn their eyes. <laughs> I mean, all I'm thinking about is Christmas 2020 where... Um, jingle all away style parents have managed to get hold of a playstation 5 for their kid and the kid opens the present but it's like the slightly wrong playstation 5 like it's the non-disc version and the kid oh, is like yeah. you got me the wrong playstation 5 you bitch i mean part of the the non-disc versions appeal to me in a certain respect like the xbox series s is the um is the digital only version of the console. Um, but with that comes like the sort of game pass. So you can kind of stream all these games rather than buying them. And mm. actually like the cost when you work it out, because it has like free game pass for two years attached to it, is that you get next gen gaming for the next two years for a very sort of effective uh, price. Um, unfortunately I can barely stream a movie in HD at the best of times. So the idea of streaming a next generation game where I currently live is... Um... You live in the late 90s, don't you? Yes, uh, I have <laughs> dial-up modem. There's a lot of screeching noises before I can uh, even um, talk to you over WhatsApp. But the... Um, so we're talking just as the PlayStation 5 launches, at least in the UK. I think it's been in, out in other territories for a week or so already. And I don't know if you saw, but uh, Oxford Circus has had the London Underground signs, uh, the round rules replaced with, well, at least three of them with the PlayStation symbols. So you have your London Underground circle, but now there's a square and a triangle and a cross. And um, most pertinent to this episode, Lancaster Gate Tube Station has been renamed Ratchet and Lancaster Gate. God, do you imagine, like, the marketing guy who came up with that, he sort of stood up and licked his finger and went, I'm amazing. I just feel sorry for some very confused people who have no idea what this is. I've got no special attachment to the PlayStation symbols. I mean, God, I really, I'm sorry for our PlayStation fans out there, but, you know, being Nintendo kids, I grew up with A, B... And I can tolerate an X and a Y. And I just never understood, like, square, 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 circle, circle, circle. It's... I still have to look at the shoulders to mm. work out which shoulder button I'm pushing. Because there's 
multiple shoulder buttons now. Yeah, big whoop shapes. <laughs> Maybe we're moving off, off tangent a bit. We're talking about train stations. <laughs> well, I think with that is I can imagine with the Ratchet and Plank games, had I had a PS2 or had I had a PS3, I would have maybe played a couple of them but as it currently stands i have played zero ratchet and clank games i think part of that's down because i keep on confusing it with jack and daxter a series which i haven't played either but when it comes to like main protagonist plus smaller sidekick it's like banjo kazooie and that's as far as i i go (laughs) i deliberately didn't bother looking up what kind of games these even were before i started watching this film and it presented some interesting it provides an interesting like, viewpoint in which to watch a video game movie because the character starts to use things like grappling hooks like a lot. And I'm like, I guess that's a thing in the game mm. <laughs> because why would you introduce that method of transportation? <laughs> uh, but but yeah, from, from an outside perspective, it's just there's so many duo action games that they do sort of blend together. Mm. Well, so this film is basically kind of an adaptation of the first game which was released in 2002 but also at the same time made in conjunction with a remake of said game and in fact the release of the game was delayed so it could tie in with the release of the movie Uh, this was the version of Ratchet and Clank released in 2016 on PlayStation 4 which is the most recent installment bar this forthcoming Rift Apart PS5 release And so the series was developed by Insomniac Games, who we have mentioned in our uh, previous Spider-Man 2 game episode, because they made the Spider-Man game, the Miles Morales um, uh, edition as well, which um, has just come out. Um, Apart from Ratchet and Clank, they're also uh, well-known for the Spyro the Dragon series, so they're very much embedded in PlayStation exclusive properties, which is why, you know, for the most part, I haven't really played any of these Ratchet and Clank games. Um, But in terms of the gameplay, it's very much a sort of third-person platform action-adventure style game, and it seems like the focus is on the fact that Ratchet, one of the main characters, is a mechanic, and he has a little robot sidekick, and together they sort of have adventures through space, but using a lot of weaponry. Uh, I think the third game of the franchise is called Up Your Arsenal, and everything's all like locked and loaded and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's very much like shooting and blasting robots and aliens, but in a very colourful, delightful way, rather than a a sort of disturbing, you know, limbs being ripped apart, (laughs) bloody uh, space battle way. Yeah, that's the other thing I got watching this film, um, Ice Cold. Like there was suddenly a great emphasis on imaginative weaponry. And I was like, wow, this is a kid's film which really likes guns. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of sort of colourful, shooty space games, it kind of reminded me of the N64 cult classic uh, Jet Force Gemini, which Mm. has a similar deal. But in that game, if you did shoot an innocent sort of Ewok-style teddy bar, they would explode into bloody fragments. So (laughs) I imagine Shigeru Miyamoto coming into the sort of Nintendo offices being shown the latest build of the game and he's really happy until <laughs> the teddy bear explodes and eyes go everywhere and he's like, I don't know, he just leave the room quietly. I don't know, he Not... basically allowed for people to 
grab a baby penguin in Super Mario 64 and toss them off an icy abyss. Oh, let's assume that it was okay. (laughs) It landed safely. This film is one of those examples where it's very much made in conjunction with the release of the game, uh, to the extent that the animators actually shared assets with the game's company and vice versa. So they would actually borrow designs and uh, characters and backgrounds and, you know, through the process of adapting them into the film, adapting them into the game, you know, tweak them and share even bits of uh, script, etc. So it definitely is very much intertwined um, as this kind of media property release entity or whatever you would, you know, synergy, whatever, you know, companies do nowadays. <laughs> You know, business buzzwords. Uh, synergy. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad even saying it. So while the game was uh, developed by Insomniac Games, um, the film was uh, produced mainly by an animation company called, at least at the time, Rainmaker Entertainment. They were previously known as Mainframe and have since rebranded back to their original name. But they're probably best known in the early days, at least, for making Reboot. Oh my goodness. Which uh, is, I guess, like the first CG animated TV series and much loved by us uh, during our CITV days. And Bill Clinton, apparently. I heard he really liked that show. And I'm not even joking. <laughs> I think he was really into Reboot, but apparently. And they also made the Beast Wars, the kind of mm. Animal Transformers uh, spin-off okay. show, as well as creating the pre-rendered sequences for the Ghostbusters video game. And a lot of Barbie movies. So they were big fish in the relatively small pond of TV. Mm-hmm. It sounds clever, doesn't it, when I say that? But sure. <laughs> Well, the directors of the film um, were Jerrica Clayland, who uh, was formerly in other roles at Pixar and then did cinematography on Space Chimps and Arthur Christmas. Um, but a more recent credit of hers is story and script consultant on Wolf Walkers, the cartoon saloon uh, film, which I saw for London Film Festival and I think comes out on Apple TV in December and I really recommend it. It's a beautiful movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, the other co-director is Kevin Munro, who is probably best known aside from this for doing the TMNT movie, which I think might be my favourite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles property. It's a good movie. I remember you hyping that to me, and, and you're not wrong. It's actually really good. <laughs> mm. I was one of those films which I kind of saw on a plane, and it was I kind of got a little bit emotional when like Leonardo and Raphael have this big fallout, and it was one of those instances where it's just like, am I just liking this and getting really into it because I'm on a plane? And then I bought the DVD and watched it, and it's just like, oh no, actually this is a pretty good movie. Do, though, try and recreate the watching it on the plane experience by slightly limiting your oxygen. <laughs> yeah, I just have like a recycled oxygen tank next to me and a uh, microwave meal. I was looking at the writers of this film and it's funny, watching it, it really felt like this must have been written by the makers of the game. But I had no evidence. I didn't look this up. But I look at the Internet Movie Database and... Yeah, some of the writers, is it TJ Fixman? Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking now. 
yeah, his uh, credits seem to be largely Ratchet and Clank games, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the only sort of outlier who didn't work who didn't work on the games before is a chap called Jerry Swallow. And um, looking at his credits, as well as doing like Ice Age movies and things like that, he also did. He was a dialogue contributor for Walking with Dinosaurs the movie. And I'm assuming that's not. <laughs> is there a narration? No, it it does have the Walking with Dinosaurs movie does have people voicing dinosaurs talking. Oh, I did not know this. I would like someone to do the voices for all the dinosaurs in the Jurassic Park films. I think they missed a trick. I think the T-Rex is going like, I'm going to get you. There's that uh, redubbed Jurassic Park, I think, where it has the um, dinosaur which is attacking Wayne Knight. And uh, whenever its mouth opens up, it just goes, hey! (laughs) It's my kind of movie. Again, I think we'll go into this deeper as we talk about the film proper. But... I guess this points to what you're saying before. This feels like very much like the fingers of the game world were intertwined with the fingers of the movie making world with this film. What did it create? We'll see. Well, shall we get into the film proper now? Yeah, sounds good. In a world. In another world. Our galaxy is in a state of crisis. Captain Quark? The Galactic Rangers are looking for a new recruit. A man with a dream. Actually, I'm a Lombax. Fine, a Lombax with a dream. We want you! Yeah! If you have heart, then you have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. Wait, God. Next! We'll discover a beautiful friendship. Maybe not beautiful, but definitely attractive. Like a seven. My name's Ratchet. I'll just call you Clank. Now, on the dark side of the universe. In two days' time, the Galactic Rangers will be destroyed. Stanley, are you texting? Mommy. Dialing mother. (laughs) Hello? An unstoppable evil. My brilliant creation! Most of the time. (laughs) Burn. We'll give them the chance. An attack is coming. I must warn the Rangers. I can totally help. To be heroes. No, no legends. Wait, even better. Does anyone else feel like we should have shot something by now? Thank you. This April. Destroy them all. When a galactic force threatens the world. I'm going in. Test your gear. That was awesome! Find your courage. Meet a sheepinator. Uh oh. And kick. Boom, baby! Some asteroid. Ratchet and Clank. It is curious that the sudden cessation of velocity did not cause either of you to... Oh, dear. Don't worry, cadet. It happens to the best of... Oh, that was terrible. Okay, well, I've got a synopsis from the back of the box. 
and the tagline is kick some asteroid. Uh-huh. Very clever. Doesn't work and... in Britain. It'll probably <laughs> kick some asteroid. <laughs> kick some Uranus. What, what video game are you playing, Harry? Asteroids. I've been watching a lot of The Crown, so I'm being, I'm being very RP this week. This week has been watching The Crown and Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> That's how my week's been um, spent. Well, spoilers for Ratchet and Clank and possibly The Crown um, <laughs> for the rest of this episode. Based on the popular video game franchise, Ratchet and Clank follows two unlikely heroes as they struggle to stop a vile alien from destroying every planet in the Solana galaxy. Ratchet is the last of his kind, a foolhardy lombat who has grown up alone on a backwater planet with no family of his own. Clank is a pint-sized robot with more brains than brawn. When the two stumble upon a dangerous weapon capable of destroying entire planets, they must join forces with a team of colourful heroes called the Galactic Rangers in order to save the galaxy. Along the way, they will learn about heroism, friendship, and the importance of discovering one's own identity in this thrilling and funny adventure featuring the voices of Paul Giamatti, John Goodman, Rosario Dawson, and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> you said Sylvester Stallone with a real twinkle in your eye and a flourish. And how can you not have a twinkle in your eye when you... Uh... <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to work out a way to rhyme I with sly... But keeping the same, you know, number of syllables in order to get there. But uh, clearly I'll leave the iambic pentameter to Shakespeare. Very well said. It's funny when all the names of the cast appear at the end of this film with um, the character, a picture of the character in like a primary colour and who voiced them next to them. And I was just watching it thinking, you don't deserve this. <laughs> you don't want to display this. I think this might be one of the most meh films I've ever seen. And... <laughs> Not just for the podcast, but ever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, though. I mean, I have been complaining for the last few episodes that I, we keep watching these films which have unexpected depth and consequently we end up talking a lot about politics, about terrorism, about existentialism and things. Um, so we can't rejoin this film though, which has like kind of nothing to it. It feels very bland. It is. I mean, one thing I discovered this week was the Terry's chocolate orange white chocolate version for Christmas because it looks like a snowball. It sounds disgusting, but I thought I'd give it a go. And it's just completely tasteless. And it feels like it was there just because somebody realised that Terry's chocolate orange could be a snowball if coloured white. And this is how I feel about this film. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the first act. I It actually raised my expectations watching this. Because it's like a science fiction film. So not refreshing to watch a kid's science fiction film which isn't connected to the Star Wars universe. And I think like a kid watching this would, I think would really get into this world, you know, with colorful animals and superheroes and robots and things. But um, the first act ends with like a big kind of robot battle. It's kind of where Ratchet gets to prove himself to the galactic, are they called galactic commandos? 
rangers. He gets to prove himself to the galactic rangers. And um, my wife walked in at this bit and she thought that this was like the end of the movie because it was very kinetic. A lot was happening and it does, does sort of seem like an ending, although she wasn't to know it was the ending of the first act. And then mm. kind of for the rest of the film, it just just keeps on happening. <laughs> um, and it just reminded me of when I went to see uh, the Star Wars The Clone Wars in the cinema. Do you remember the CGI TV show, which has got a lot of fans, mm. um, initially appeared in cinemas. They sort of stitched the first three episodes together. It's not designed for the big screen. It's really TV-level animation, um, and everyone moves very stiffly and awkwardly, and it felt like a waste of time for everyone. And I kind of got that vibe from a lot of this film. Everything feels like a first draft gag. And like the characterization feels like it's just like non-existent. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'll get off my, my space soapbox for a moment to let you have a, have a word in. I generally agree with what you're saying. I think not knowing the games and not knowing the game on which this was released in conjunction with, all I can think of is just how redundant the whole exercise is because graphics game-wise, looking at the in-game footage of Ratchet and Clank, um, it's not too dissimilar to the animation in this film. And if it follows the same plot beats, which it seems to do, and it has the same characters... You just sort of think, like, who is this for? Because if you want to play Ratchet and Clank, you'd play Ratchet and Clank. If you want to watch a movie, uh, you'd watch something else, because you could just watch a YouTube compilation of all the cutscenes, probably, and still get the same experience. Um, I just I just really don't understand, like, the purpose of this whole exercise, apart from attaching some big-ish names to an animated movie. Um, what's interesting, as I mentioned, about the shared assets is also the shared voice cast, because that just adds to the fact that this movie is just the game, but without you being able to play it effectively. So you do have, as I mentioned, like Paul Giamatti, Sylvester Stallone, etc., and in previous games, for instance, they'd be voiced by other people. Um, but the main characters, such as Ratchet, Clank, Captain Quark, um, Dr. Nefarious, are from their video game voice actors. So it just adds another layer of, well, you know, similarity to the games, but also redundancy in terms of, you know, creating this. It's funny that you mentioned Clone Wars because the vo main voice of Ratchet is James Arnold Taylor, who mm. uh, plays Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars Clone Wars I know. Um, media. He also played Leonardo in the TMNT movie I mentioned, and um, Mysterio, Quentin Beck, in the Spider-Man 2 game. Uh, <laughs> if you're keeping score, games on film listeners. <laughs> he's, so he's not without talent, but I think the problem when he's just voicing the same character in both game and film is that I really found Ratchet's voice in this just really boring and really generic he just had a generic sonic voice is what i said here <laughs> so i don't know i don't know what i mean by that because i thought sonic in the movie was really good but then he was voiced by a genuine oh god they don't hate on me voice actors i don't mean what i'm saying but you know what i mean he, he just sounded like he should be saying hup hup 
yeah, yeah, collect. Is I'm assuming that's what he says in the game. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but furthermore, like if we're talking about characters and characterization, like I couldn't work out what Ratchet and Clank's relationship was in this film at all, because mm. I was thinking. Like what happens in these sort of buddy movies is the the here these two characters meet usually with very different interpretations of the world, and by the end of the film they realize they can't live without each other. But kind of I don't get that codependent relationship in this film, and kind of at the end they sort of say their goodbyes and they wave, and it's all like no, oh, like it ain't no thing. But then because they realize films like this can't end that way they sort of join up at the end for some adventures like it ain't no thing <laughs> and just like i can't rem- can't really work out what clank actually did to like support or or in any way hinder ratchet danger detected danger detected <laughs> i told you we'd never make it but did you listen to me no hello anyone in there Whoa! Prepare for imminent death. There's gotta be a better way to say that. Sorry. <clears throat> Prepare for imminent death. How's that? Five, four, three, two, one. No vector shell damage. Sister board appears to be intact. I must get to Alero City. They are in danger. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, who's in danger? An army is coming. I must warn them. Uh, hang on. Slow down. You've been in a crash. What do you say we get you back to my garage? I'll run a diagnostic and have you fixed up in no time. Thank you. I appreciate the assistance. It's no problem. So, what do I call you? I suppose my proper designation is Warbot Defect B5429. <sighs> Maybe I'll just call you Clank. Yeah, they just sort of stumble upon each other, as the synopsis says. Uh, They meet up, and Clank says, we need to go do this thing. And Ratchet is like, yeah, let's go do this thing. And then they go do that thing. It's not like you need to create, like, oh, this rivalry or this tension, because that... the film does that with other characters' relationships. And there's maybe a little bit where you think, oh, this is the part where Clank feels sidelined because all the attention is on Ratchet. But, you know, nothing really happens with that. It's so funny, because I am definitely guilty of complaining in any film when the two main characters have a falling out and there's like a sad montage, you know? Yeah. It seems so rote. But then, boy, do you miss it when it's not there, when these two characters just get along for the whole film and and that's it when you say get along i don't feel any kind of spark or chemistry or energy between them so it'd be fine if it's just like hey we're best mates and they're kind of like ragging on each other or like just having a jolly good time or you know where there's no fallout but you need to replace the lack of fallout with fun and energy and making it seem like they have feelings for each other in some sort of capacity, but the film just doesn't do that. It's just like, oh, it's a cute robot, so of course you're going to be friends. 
we've done a lot of films recently where they're like better than they need to be, where things are written a bit more smart, smartly than they need to be. Is smartly a word? <laughs> I'm going to go with it. <laughs> um, but, you know, we start the film with jokes where the big boss who, I mean, so I feel some of my criticisms might be like game design criticisms as well, because the, the, the boss in this film, not not nefarious, what's the the businessman boss? Chairman Drek. Chairman Drek. Like, I say he's the businessman box. He's wearing a businessman suit for some reason. Do businessmen exist in this society? Clearly. Um, but why is it always like the big businessman being the villain i mean i'm not saying I'm, i love capitalism or anything but it just seems like a really like how what do villains wear in films business suits okay so that's the villain and then they have a joke about one of his minions is texting uh during his speech and they start quoting how we do hashtag humor which seems like very 2016 humour, but I guess this might have been written in 2014 or whatever. So this is what I mean by first draft jokes. You know, it's just... They comment about having a montage just before a montage happens, you know what I mean? It's like basic meta humour. Yeah, and like whenever they have an establishing shot of the location, there is like a little joke tag underneath. So it's like, begin bad guy speech in three, two, one. And it's just like... Good, fine, thank you. Now we've been moaning for about five minutes solid. I, I do have to remind ourselves that this is aimed at kids. I think this is like a U rating or a PG rating. And so I still maintain what I said earlier. If you are a kid who really enjoys these games, or maybe if you've never even seen these games, then you might, that might be your first encounter with that sort of meta humor but then there is a part of me which still thinks like you can do better <laughs> i will i will say that at least this film didn't really have any fart and butt jokes so that's got oh, something going for it the, the tagline is kick the asteroid kick some asteroid yeah kick some asteroid they oh. saved it for the bots just didn't put it in the movie yeah i guess um small mercies I mean, Ratchet is sort of positioned as your Luke Skywalker-type hero. He's stuck on a Tatooine-esque desert plateau. Um, he's a mechanic. He doesn't know who his birth parents are, so maybe it's actually more like a Rey in The Force Awakens sort of thing. He's last of his kind, so he's a bit like Doctor Who post-Russell T. Davies era, but that's not really ever kind of dug into in the film but it's this whole like oh i believe i can be someone bigger you know that sort of thing and it's nice to have those kind of things and it's also nice that this character doesn't end up like some chosen one it's not like oh you have magical powers because you're the last of your kind it is just like oh he's just he lucks into being able to join the galactic rangers and go on these adventures effectively and yeah, he's got some like mechanical skills, etc. But it's down to just being sort of plucky and enthusiastic that he does his job rather than like some magical bloodline. Mm. Um, so <laughs> that's nice. You you just don't know what's going to happen in the next Ratchet and Clank movie where he discovers well, that you know he's actually an eternal 
Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wait for that to spoil this movie more than uh, necessary. But yeah, I I, I see what you mean about, like, the start of the film. I did have some hopes because, I don't know, you were talking about the design. I liked the kind of the blogs, the lizard villains. I thought they were kind of like a fun design. And this is like a kind of fairly colourful movie. And when we're introduced to Ratchet as a mechanic, he's kind of basically pimped some customers' spacecraft beyond necessary. And there's this pod race style. (laughs) I wrote here, now this is pod racing. (laughs) This is pod racing. Going down canyons. Yeah, and you know, it, it all but it almost looks like they've just like plonked the uh, CG assets on top of the existing pod race sequence. You know, it, it just looks like it's completely reused. But it is kind of, while we've obviously seen it before, it's dynamic. It's a bit exciting, and it's quite fun to look at. It doesn't really amount to anything apart from setting up the mag booster technology, which will play pivotal roles in other set pieces later on but it's a fun way to sort of introduce things but once it gets kind of like stuck into the nitty-gritty of the plot it's quite easy to lose interest yeah i really liked the design of that spaceship and i guess my reaction to this why i feel a little bit down on it is because i guess i love science fiction so much but when i encounter something kind of really generic I uh, I struggle. <laughs> it's like, why aren't I enjoying this more? There was just there was something about the aesthetic I quite liked, for all its sort of script and dialogue faults. Yeah. So the Galactic Rangers are introduced and they're doing tryouts to join their team. And the leader of the Galactic Rangers is a Captain Quark, who um, Ratchet is a big, big fan of and... The tryouts are taking place nearby, so he wants to obviously enlist um, his services in order to have some adventure in his life. But Quark himself, he's kind of got this, like, 50s sci-fi retro aesthetic. He's basically, like, some sort of amalgamation of Buzz Lightyear and The Tick with, um, I guess, a touch of kind of Zap Brannigan from Futurama about him as well. I wrote here, I wonder what he looks like underneath his mask. <laughs> because he never takes his mask off and it's just the old character design thing. I imagine he was like grossly um, dam- battle scarred and damaged underneath that mask. Well, we all know that ruined the Judge Dredd movie. <laughs> I just thought it was weird how we had a character called Quark in this film, but he wasn't voiced by Armin Shimmerman, who actually voices Dr. Nefarious, the big bad. Yeah, this film. yeah. But Armin Sherman played Quark in Deep Space Nine. He played Principal Snyder in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you ex- you've just told me that he voices the Doctor Ferris in the game, doesn't he? So yeah, that that kind of made sense. I was like, why is Armin Shimmerman in this big budget movie spectacular? I'm sorry, Armin, but <laughs> I don't often see or hear you on the big screen. It did strike me as sh- strange that. I guess the good guy army is literally five people, but I'm I'm just going to let that slide. That's just how this universe operates, you know? Yeah, like, they make a joke about it, how, like, the galactic president or something, you know, in order to combat the the threat that that Chairman Dretz is posing against the galaxy, they're going to up the number of members of the galactic rangers from four to five. 
Mm. So it's sort of commented on in, in that respect. But yeah, they're kind of like, you know, your guardians of the galaxy, your Star Fox sort of group who uh, are enlisted to do battle when needed. You know what, though? Given the current state of the world, I think we should give that a go. <laughs> we should just defund the police and just pay five people <laughs> to deal with all crime and all problems. And, you know, just give it a try. Six months. But then you might get a situation like the Avengers and the whatever accord for that fake country which they accidentally blew up or something. I think that's what Captain America called it, the whatever accord. (laughs) It's like, I wasn't paying attention, I was just killing people. (laughs) But yeah, it's funny though, the Captain Quark is obviously the main character and takes super duper precedence. The other members of the Rangers, less so. I guess the only one that kind of stands out is Alaris, played Mm. by Rosario Dawson, who's sort of latterly introduced. And her thing is is that she is stuck in the Galactic Rangers broom cupboard, basically doing all their tactical support. But the Galactic Rangers approach, because of Quark's leadership, is very much uh, shoot first, ask questions later. So uh, when Ratchet and Clank join, Clank is kind of brought in to assist her and uh, all their attempts to work out strategy and plans tends to fall on deaf ears. Yeah, so I think the one bit of learning the team does is listen to her at the end. Yeah, because it turns out that Dr Nefarious used to be a member of the Galactic Rangers in her role and basically them not listening to him and all of his ideas for amazing weapons, etc., made him turn to the dark side. So treat your nerds nicely. Although I am happy to help with the mission in any capacity, I find this arrangement slightly embarrassing. I'm sorry, but you're the only one who's been inside Drex's Warbot factory. Besides, this is the best way for you to keep up. Whoa! <laughs> nice backpack. Remember, your thrusters are powered by Ratchet's suit, so don't try any solo flights, okay? I shall endeavor to... He's in good hands, Alaris. You sure you want to take the, uh, extra baggage? No offense, but we're dropping straight into a cauldron. And do you know what's inside that cauldron? Is it danger? It is! Yes, it's danger. Let's roll! So we've talked a bit about Ratchet, and what is Ratchet without Clank? (laughs) I quite enjoyed Clank. I really liked Clank's voice. It was very smooth and wasn't robotic so i don't know small things (laughs) small things but um he is created he he is part of the production line of these terrifying battle bots but then i think lightning hits the factory and in a sort of short circuit style he um he is affected by it but he doesn't want input 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 and um he doesn't interact with like a a browned up Fisher Stevens from Super Mario Brothers. He gets rejected or something, doesn't he? Again, I got Super Ted vibes like this. He was thrown away like a piece of rubbish. Until a spotty man brought him to life (laughs) with his cosmic dust. Yeah, so Dr. Nefarious is building this army of war bots for Chairman Drek. And Clank is rejected as a defect and manages to escape on a shuttle because... He knows that the mission of the Warbots is to annihilate the Galactic Rangers and he must stop them, but he doesn't make it 
to uh, the Galactic Rangers Hall of Heroes, their home base HQ, and instead on route crash lands right by Ratchet. And that's how they encounter each other for the first time, and that um, friendship question mark is is forged. I mean, I wrote around about this point, it's just nice to watch a kid's film after all the violence we've seen. (laughs) And although this is a fairly gun-heavy kids' movie, it's still like, it's ray guns and things, so, you know, I do appreciate a nice, innocent friendship, but but like I said, I can't really remember what they see in each other. Again, they, they are there because the film and game series is called Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, I guess there's meant to be a sort of I know we said earlier that, like, Ratchet is the last of his kind and Clank is a unique version of the Warbot, so they have, like, a small bonding moment over the fact that they are unique entities. There's that uh, point where Clank tries to scan Ratchet to determine what species it is, and um, before settling on Lombats, we do see Jack and Daxter. We oh. do see a human. I'm not sure who that's supposed to be. And we also see Sly Cooper, um, another video game character, the Raccoon Thief, who uh, there was going to there was going to be a movie made by the same animation team and director as this, uh, which they even released a teaser trailer for, and it was meant to hit theaters in 2016, uh, same year as this. But it seems like the poor performance of Ratchet and Clank basically meant that production stalled and it got stuck in development hell and the director and animation team have since left the project so we will perhaps never see a Sly Cooper movie. That's not really a shame. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't want to see a movie about a gentleman raccoon thief? Oh I didn't realise he's a gentleman, I absolutely do now. Well I don't know, I haven't played the games. I assume he's a gentleman because if it's a kids film you can't have like a really evil raccoon thief as your main character who's just, like, swearing and spitting and things. I don't know how many F-bombs you can include in a PG movie. (laughs) One, but it must not be used in a sexual context. (laughs) He can't say, I'm Sly Cooper, the gentleman raccoon thief who likes to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shame, though. It's shame. There's there's a bit of other PlayStation humour, if you want to call it that, I noticed. When Captain Quark uses a USB stick at one point, we hear the classic PlayStation 1 boot-up sound, which is one of the most beautiful sounds ever. I think second only to Sega. How does that sound rank against the Wilhelm scream, which appears not only in this film, but then another character screams... Wilhelm immediately afterwards. You know what? I freaking hate the Wilhelm scream. Audio nerds seem to love it. But if I was making a film and the the sound guy put the Wilhelm scream in my movie, I would throttle him. I would I'd send him on his way. I really hate it. It's lazy, lazy, lazy. But in this film, it actually works. That might be my favourite joke when they use the Wilhelm scream and then just with a nod they have a, they say, oh, that is actually Wilhelm. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I suppose that's almost a pass. But I'm now imagining you throttling the sound engineer and as you're throttling him, he's just like gargling the diddy laugh. <laughs> or maybe he's recording his own gurgles saying, oh, this would be really good if I need gurgles in the future. 
<laughs> just like, no, 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 move down my neck a little bit lower so I can get more kind of, <laughs> sort of like my trackier breaking noise. I was watching this show, The Crown, and they've got Prince William as a baby, and I was wondering if he used actual baby noise, or was like Frank Welker gurgling in the corner being, this is sad Prince William baby <laughs> noise. Since we're talking about PlayStation, this is also in the opening logos a playstation original isn't it and they did sort of the marvel comics thing where they had pictures from like the the original media on the screen and it was really just it's just uh ratchet and clank footage but you know like all all logos seem to be doing that around about 2016 trying to get in the old marvel bandwagon i do wonder how the playstation pictures logo will appear on screen because i guess that's where playstation originals has now become i guess like we'll see that with the uncharted movie as the Mm -hmm. first sort of major playstation pictures release maybe they'll just go with the uh the four symbols as uh we've established oh it's it's square circle triangle cross pictures do they call it a cross or an x there was a big debate about that. <laughs> right, we don't we don't want to spend too much time on that, so maybe we should move on. <laughs> Here, take the controls for a second. Oh, I um. Ow! Hey, what's going on up there? Well, unfortunately, my piloting skills are, shall we say, slightly underdeveloped. Yeah, I think we can definitely agree on that. We are clearly not prepared for this. We should have contacted the rangers to warn them of the attack. (laughs) Yeah, like they'd know who we are. But you said they were your friends. What? I think you're quoting me out of context. The rangers are actually my, uh, friends. Do you record everything I say? Do you record everything I say? Ratchet and Clank, they head to the Hall of Heroes to try and stop an invasion by Drex's Warbot forces. And um, they save the day by using the magnetic booster to uh, capture all the robots and send them packing into the warship and causing a big explosion, which uh, sees them joining the Galactic Rangers after a kind of press conference peer pressures Captain Quark to enlist their services. And this is after Captain Quark had already interviewed him and rejected him, hadn't he? Yes. So it's like a small victory for Ratchet. Well, a big victory for him, but um, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for Quark. I'm assuming the mag booster is something from the games? as well let's assume <laughs> uh, i'm just imagining fans of the games are like oh shit he used the mag booster my wife asked me why the the spaceship ratchet was using uh was penis shaped because it's, it's just long and has these two engines at the end so she's got a dirty mind <laughs> it's kind of hard to make a spaceship that isn't penis shaped i know star trek did it but 
Well, I don't know what it says about my penis. <laughs> um, it's all about aerodynamism. Mm. Depends whether your spaceship is going to be used in a terrestrial space as well as a intergalactic space, I suppose. Well, they used to care about that sort of thing, but now all the spaceships seem to fly through the atmosphere in Star Trek, which makes my nerd blood boil. <laughs> Uh, so Ratchet and Clank uh, begin their training as part of the Galactic Rangers, and that's where we see a whole host of weapons, I guess, all coming from the games. It's sort of, uh, they can imagine whichever weapon they want, and it'll appear in their hands. They tele-quip it, is uh, what their proto-suits, I think, allow them to do. I don't know the specifics. It's not real science, so I don't think I have to pay attention too much. Um, but uh, I'm going to direct you to this uh, article called The Science of Ratchet and Clank now and you'll be surprised uh, no thanks um, but uh, Ratchet becomes a sort of overnight celebrity in the process and there's like this kind of schism which happens between the Galactic Rangers and it uh, as he's kind of like hinted at this is what sets the seeds for Quark to feel like he is not um, beloved as he once was. It's like when Prince Charles and Princess Diana visited Australia and it all became about Diana. See, I mean, all these <laughs> crown parallels. <laughs> it's basically... <laughs> Love the idea that uh, Ratchet and Clank and the crown, they share so many parallels. <laughs> I'm not about to start listing how, you know, which which Ratchet and Clank character Queen Elizabeth II is. Um, I'm going to do that in my own time. Okay. <laughs> Let's get you into your new protosuit. Your protosuit is the most advanced combat armor on the market. And it comes in all the latest fall colors. Sweet. A neural sensor in your helmet reads your thoughts and telequips the desired weapon into your hands. Try equipping your combustor. <laughs> there you go. Combustor equipped. Wicked. The combustor is the backbone of the ranger's arsenal, allowing you to hit targets in a short to medium range. <laughs> this is embarrassing. The Alpha Disruptor fires a deadly stream of plasma, allowing you to hit multiple targets at once. See? He's got it. Sort of. This little baby's the negotiator. Fires multiple long-range high-impact rockets. Great versus heavy armor. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's during a kind of full hardy assault mission to try and take out Chairman Drek that Quark is sort of turned to betray the Galactic Rangers in a way I, I don't quite understand. It's sort of playing to his maybe sort of naivety and his simplistic nature. Um, but I'm not sure it quite sort of really 
I just don't understand like why he does what he does. I did enjoy the start of this scene because he arrives at the villain and he's holding his gun up and he says, don't move. And then like a blade cuts right through his blaster and then he just says, I'm listening. And for that was an amusing performance. But yeah, literally here I wrote, I can't be bothered to write any more notes. This feels like a real mere movie. <laughs> Which I've never... Literally every film we've done, we've done over 60 films and I'm like, I'm scribbling throughout all these films, but I kind of just, kind of just gave up after this point. I do, I do have more notes, but, but for the most part, I was like, why, yeah, why is he kind of, he knows these guys are blowing up planets and it's weird like this the, the big planet which get the, the final planet which gets blown up has been completely evacuated and so that seems like really lame that sort of removes the stakes i mean i would admit i quite enjoyed what looked like it was looking it was looking like the planets were being just blown up for, into bits for no reason but the villain wants to make like a frankenstein planet with all the various bits of other planets creating kind of like a perfect planet. That's something I've not seen before, and I quite enjoyed that. Again, I'm, I'm sure it's completely scientifically accurate. <laughs> so that was kind of cool, but yeah, I agree. He seems to kind of turn on his friends just for plot reasons. I, I never really bought that his ego had been so bruised by Ratchet's popularity. It never quite hangs together and doesn't really matter so much in the grand scheme of things because yes this planet gets destroyed and we find out after the effect that it has since been evacuated and you kind of feel like oh my god the film's going somewhere a little bit you know dark and, and stuff and then it's just like oh no it's fine oh and those other planets beforehand oh they were uninhabited it's like okay the states are still use certificate i think i mean all it seems to do is like cause a bit of a, a rift um the galactic rangers sort of like dust themselves off and pit themselves up and you know enlist ratchet again and they just kind of like return to stop drek all over again in this first attack um this is also where i think sylvester stallone robot dies and again he, yes. he died he dies because he's not waterproof and little Ratchet is. And it just seems my belief had been suspended to breaking point. I don't know if that sentence makes sense. But, <laughs> you know, it just seemed like a deadly robot you can only use on dry days. Seems strange. And by lucky chance, Clank is waterproof. It just seemed kind of just lame, you know, not clever. And, you know, I like, up until that point, I was enjoying Sylvester Stallone's performance. I think he commits to the role of a murderous robot just as much as he committed to his many roles in Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> I think this was his chance to um, get one over Arnold Schwarzenegger's robot performance. It was like, <laughs> finally I get to play a robot. <laughs> I mean, I liked the idea of a robot funeral. It was quite an amusing robot funeral. Yeah, I think that was like a kind of Star Trek 2 nod. Star Trek 2 is the one everyone references. <laughs> that, that particular funeral ends with the villain sort of sucking both the funeral pods and all the, the grieving minions out into like a void or something or other. 
and it just feels that again the scene sort of ends on a on a vassal do comedy button (laughs) (laughs) this whole like having to regroup and go back to try and stop yet another planet being destroyed this time the states are bigger because if this planet is destroyed it will cause a eruption which will wipe out the whole solar system in one go um but it just seems a bit kind of unnecessary it's like (laughs) it's it just seems like extra padding when this film although short already kind of feels like it's running on just fumes Mm -hmm. by this point like i guess the big thing is that nefarious takes control of the situation and he turns drek into a sheep which made me really want to see a behind-the-scenes feature where Paul Giamatti makes sheep noises. Well, it made me wonder what... So sheep is the one Earth-bound animal which exists in this alien universe. kind of reminds me of like when you watch Empire Strikes Back and Luke's on Dagobah, and amongst all these alien monsters, there's like a just a, just a normal snake, like a python, <laughs> going up a tree. And you know, if that film was made in 2020, it would be like a snake with insect eyes or something. I want to see George Lucas's new uh, special edition of Star Wars trilogy, where it's just like, now with dogs. And he's just like, <laughs> just like added dogs, like in various scenes. Just like, yeah, your standard dogs like you get on Earth. But I kind of felt like if we have human characters, we should also have dogs. They're a man's best friend. I'd like to see Lord of the Rings now with, like, just more dogs. (laughs) I wrote here, this film's aimed at fucking idiots. (laughs) Children, Harry, please. Yes, I'm sorry. Children, children. (laughs) Again, I don't... We like to celebrate video game movies. We don't like to sound too down. But, um, like, it's slim pickings. Um, What have we got on on the pro list so far? It looks quite nice. There's some all right jokes... I mean, you know, it's not offensive. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think I found Ua Bowl's poster, Postal, which is a little bit more accomplished in what it set out to do than uh, <laughs> than this. Though, as I said, well, I mean, I think it probably does set out what it wants to do. It just it was just another place to see Ratchet and Clank when this game was coming out. I mean, if anything, they managed to sell more adverts on the side of buses to make you aware of Ratchet and Clank. That's that's what it is. But it clearly didn't pay off because it only made $14 million against a, what seems like a very small budget for an animated movie of $20 million. I'd have thought an animated feature like this would cost a lot more to make, but it didn't even make that kind of rather small amount. So... It seemed to be like a commercial failure and a critical failure at the same time. So, I mean, is there anyone going to bat for this film then? I do, I do think, I do think kids would enjoy this. But again, I, I hate to say that because kids deserve better. But I mean, like the game was a success. It was like the best-selling Ratchet and Clank game of the series thus far. So, it just, I wonder, like the impact of this movie. Like, oh yeah, I kind of only just remembered this movie existed. It's like. Was this on anyone's radar at the time? Or were people just who were interested in Ratchet and Clank were just like, eh, it's fine, I got the game. I, I, I don't need to see the movie. I got the game. It's fine. It's cool. <laughs> so just remind me, you said the game which came out at the same time as this yeah. was sort of a retelling of the story this film also tells. 
that yeah that so the game that came out at the same time as this is the same story as this but what it's the... also a remake of the very first game that's just a copy of a copy of a coffee a copy of a copy of a coffee that's not how the saying goes <laughs> um but yeah copy of a copy of a copy what what's what's the point what is the point this film should have had a different plot then I, that's what I just what I've decided <laughs> this could have been about anything else rather than rather than like what you've what you've already played twice over well at least John Goodman got some pay John Goodman gotta eat <laughs> my internal coordinate system indicates a right turn up ahead yeah my gut says this way clank glad you're getting in touch with your feelings newbie but we're turning right because because I'm your senior ranger and I say so. That's why. Okay, okay. Yeesh, cranky. What's that? Huh? Oh, I said thank ye for those words of wisdom. Good save. This feels too easy. Why was there no alarm? It is strange. Everyone, stay sharp. Initiate phase one. Let's scatter the cockroaches. <laughs> Just push the button, Zed. So, the Galactic Rangers, they return to defeat Nefarious now. Um, there's a battle between Ratchet and Clank with Captain Quark, who has turned but they managed to put aside their differences and team up to defeat nefarious instead um who they kick into the deplanetizer ray and um they managed to teleport out of there before the whole space station it seems explodes but nefarious does come back in a mid-credits cutscene in robot form because apparently he is in the earlier games a robot but in this remade game and in this film this is like his pre-robot um mm. existence and yeah then at the end as you said ratchet returns to his home world and clank kind of follows and it's just like yeah you can hang out with me it's just <laughs> so weird that ending because they it's not an emotional goodbye and it's not an emotional actually let's have some more adventures it's like they were so afraid of you of you feeling anything. It's possible that I was in the middle of a of a pizza coma because I watched this after eating a lot of pizza. <laughs> so maybe I was just like, living so hard. <laughs> um, and I have to watch this. Um, but I think there are like enough wrinkles to the story to potentially make it interesting. Like the Chairman Drek being sort of, like, usurped by Nefarious, the mm. having the Captain Quark character, this kind of, like, dumb hero, but turns out to be, you know, turned and betraying his friends and, you know, the galaxy in so doing. Um, you know, there's, like, potential seams to explore if the film wants to, but it just never really does anything. It just kind of presents these things without really doing anything with the states and yeah i know it's a kids movie but it doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of weight to it emotional follow-through even 
But even something like if we're thinking about video game animated movies in the most sort of this is product, this is content way, the Angry Birds movies like care a bit more in terms of character and jokes and energy and, you know, entertainment than this. And you'd sort of feel like big animated movie based on a mobile phone game versus something which clearly has the investment and the time and the PlayStation branding and, you know, writers from the games involved, sharing assets with the developers, etc. You'd think there'd be a bit more investment to try and make something that they would want to stand side by side with their core IP. And it's just like, great, it exists. And that's all it does. It just exists. It exists in front of your eyes the whole time you're watching without ever like feeling like it needs to engage with you on any other level. So after watching this film, I went through a few reviews and I came across, I think Empire Magazine gave us two out of five when it came out. But of course their review starts with, this doesn't break the trend of bad video game movies. And I spat out my tea. <laughs> Because, as we all know, there's loads of great video game movies. And you're comparing this to another video game movie, Angry Birds, which, as you quite rightly say, had the same goal, I suppose, as the same reason d'etre, but just puts the effort in and is genuinely funny. It doesn't justify its existence in any way. It just seems like a completely redundant exercise. It's, I think... I think... Yes, if you were a small child, there's enough kind of colour and fun and action to keep you entertained. And I don't think this is a bad film, necessarily. You know, we've covered far worse movies, but I've enjoyed those movies more. The problem is it just sort of falls completely flat. And Mm. I think if this was all in a game, I'd actually think it was fun. And I, I sort of feel like, oh, I'm playing like a CG cartoon animation. It's like I am interacting with what feels like a film, but on its own, without the gameplay, it just is very ho-hum. It's very mild entertainment. It's the mildest entertainment with the mildest peril and the mildest humour possible. It's green on the Nando's chili. Yeah, yeah. If this film were ordering a sandwich, it would ask for the crusts to be removed in case it was too edgy. (laughs) That is far funnier than anything in this film. It's that kind of movie. It's like, oh no, actually please leave out the the interesting tastes. (laughs) No, No spice or salt or pepper or anything which makes food taste good. Thank you. It's the English cuisine of cinema. (laughs) <laughs> but at least that's comforting no true i was to being deliberately provocative <laughs> how dare you insult my beet pie again far far more provocative or anything than you get in, in this film again I, I can't really add to what you said it's just it's just there it's fine and yeah i, I will agree i've been thinking how i would compare this to spy kids 3 <laughs> because you know famously I had real, real, real problems with that movie. And I think we're always talking about, when we're talking about sort of quote-unquote bad movies, whether or not... I mean, is is it better to be a big failure 
they're just competent and and I still think that's the case so even though I actually really don't like Spy Kids 3 I if I had a kid I would probably sit the kid down in front of Spy Kids 3 more than this because I don't think you easily forget Spy Kids 3 whereas this is just completely forgettable but aren't you on record as saying that you're a bad parent if you sit your child in front of a Spy Kids I, I have outed myself as a bad parent. This is what this podcast has done to me. Some big life choices I've made doing this podcast. <laughs> At least Spy Kids 3 provokes a reaction. Yes. With me, it was a headache, but I'm not sure I'd want to necessarily relive that again. So maybe I would probably opt for a rewatch of Ratchet and Clank, given the choice, because... At least I would get through that 90 minutes without, you know, my brain hemorrhaging. Yeah. Um, Given a choice between two Sylvester Stallone movies, <laughs> gun to your head, Ratchet and Clank or Spy Kids 3. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's it's Stallone movie night. Your choice is Ratchet and Clank <laughs> or Spy Kids 3D. Not, not, not Rambo? No. Not, not, not even Cobra? Not Cobra, no Rocky. Not even one of the bad Rocky movies. <laughs> Stop or my mum will shoot. No, worse than that. <laughs> so, um, sorry to say that is Ratchet and Clank. Um, I guess I want to just end by saying this is nothing against the games. I started this podcast saying I've never encountered the games. Um, I think from what I've seen of this film, I think I would like to check out the games. They, I've just... So this seems just like a complete non-entity of a, of, as you say, corporate media synergy tie-in. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I, you know, I was looking at maybe seeing if there was a demo for the Ratchet & Clank PS4 game uh, release for me to play in preparation, and there wasn't. But, you know, if given the opportunity, and maybe if I didn't have to pay for it, I'd probably give a Ratchet & Clank game a go. Yeah, you could just steal it. Five-finger discount. <laughs> I do yeah. not condone shoplifting well you can't because none of the shops are open so and everything's digital just try and stop me (laughs) i'm gonna break into the internet on a weekend when it's closed and steal a copy of ratchet and clank but um anyway (laughs) well that's enough workshopping of hackers (laughs) 2.0 yes so next time onwards and upwards we'll hopefully do a I guess a a video game movie which makes us feel something. (laughs) But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? You can find Games on Film on all the various social media channels. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram where we post links and details about the movies we cover, the episodes themselves, as well as video game movie news in general. So follow us to get all the juicy goss and all the forthcoming products that we will no doubt cover on future episodes. Oh, I love products. Yep, gotta love products. You can find more details about Games on Film on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. And there's also links there where you can also support the show, either by buying movies for us on Amazon for us to watch, or donating via coffee. You can also contact the show on email. We're gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And we're also individually on Twitter too. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode and all episodes of Games on Film was composed by David Lightfoot. Harry, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, 
<laughs> I mean, we haven't done plugs in a while. Sorry. We haven't done plugs spot. in a while. What am I doing? Um, I'm, I'm like to plug looking out the window and um, thinking about things. I like to think about things sometimes. Is that the uh, uh, Iceland entry for Eurovision? Thinking about things. I, I mean, it could be. Um, I like I'll have to, to double check that. I like to promote toast, medium brown toast. Uh, on that, I'd like to promote crumpets. crumpets. I'm back into crumpets. Do you? Does your toaster have like a, a one side feature where it heats one side of your crumpet? No, but why would you only want to heat one side? But, um. <laughs> um. Well, you, you, I'm thinking of bagels, aren't I? Because my bagel, my toaster does bagels. Oh, okay. So that's some. That's some. <laughs> this is what Ratchet and Clank has reduced us to. <laughs> this is what Ratchet and Clank has done. Discussing toaster settings. <laughs> um well yes like we'll see next time well i think it has a yeah <clears throat> toaster settings well we're <sighs> how do i go from <laughs> toast <laughs> so until next time where this podcast may very well have turned into talking toast i've been harry I've been Rory. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.